I received this kind of question that asks, okay, so what do I mean by church? Because if I am defining it as community, and yet I also define it as a structure or a system, right? Um, which is it? Uh, my answer to that question is that it's both. It is both a system and structure of how we organize religion, that's the church or the institution, but it is also the community of people, which is actually more biblical. You know, I understand the need or at least people feeling the need to organize, to um, decide, you know, what parts of um, doctrine are good to follow and kind of to draw those guardrails as you would on a highway or, you know, even on a, on a bridge, you would have these uh, uh, railings on the side so that people don't fall off, right, in their vehicles. So I understand the need for institution to a certain extent. But when we talk about church or as when we idealize what church could be, should be, would be, um, we are talking about community. And I really love how Sarah brought up the point that community is not just entirely made up of a group of people who are just interested in intellectual conversations. Church community is so much more. It's also about belonging. Right, So it's both engaging the intellectual and engaging the psychological, the emotional aspects of being human. Absolutely. We've made this statement more than once that we are the church. We meaning plural us. So when we make statements that may seem pretty hard against the system and the structure of the institutionalized or organized church, what we are saying is don't leave community, don't leave that support system, that support network of believers, of the saints that you have, because that's absolutely important. You know, I have friends who struggle with church and they struggle to attend church, right? They're like, oh, you know, I feel so bad that I'm missing church and everything. And my question to them isn't, oh, okay, so I, you know, like, why aren't you doing church? My question to them is, do you have a community? Do you have people around you that can lead you closer to Jesus? Do you have people around you that can spur you on to love Jesus better? It is all of us together needing each other, you know, um, and journeying with each other. So, yeah, mm. I'm absolutely, uh, would 100% um, encourage community. Mm. Yeah, she, she, when she talked about community as well, she mentioned that it's a, it's a space for people to grieve, a space for people to process. We asked her specifically about how, as, you know, a group of university students, as she's engaging them through an intellectual kind of framework, how they were coping with the RZIM report. And um, considering that that was in February, the report had just been released for three days. You know, it's been more than two months now. Just wanted to follow up and see what her thoughts were, whether there were any other thoughts that she was having. She mentioned to me that she is still grieving. She's still mourning over the whole incident. Um, she's grieving for the women who were treated so horribly. Um, she's grieving for the thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of Christians who looked up to Ravi Zacharias, who have um, felt disappointed or betrayed even. 
And as someone who knows people who work um, on staff at RZIM, um, who are also grieving, she she feels this sense of sadness with them. And, uh, you know, she reiterated that this is a big hit for the world of apologetics in the world. Also a big hit for the cause of the gospel. It's not really aided um, the furtherance of the gospel from an intellectual point of view, from an apologetic point of view, because it's not just about arguments, right? Our apologetics should also be in our character, should be in the way that we live. You and I have talked at length about this. We have written Facebook posts about this, where we criticized or called out what we felt as a lack of response from pastors. Uh, and even when there were responses from pastors, I, I won't name names, but there was one specific um, conversation with a pastor that was released, a very prominent Malaysian pastor, who mentioned that even though, you know, all this stuff has happened, he would still refer to Ravi as doctor. He would still call him uh, Dr. Ravi Zacharias. Uh, and he would still read the books and encourage people to read Ravi's books. And to me, that felt, and honestly felt like quite a cop-out, quite disappointing for me, considering that hey, I really respect this man and his ministry. And so from that regard, right, it's it's just kind of been hard to, I don't know, it's kind of been hard to consider some of these questions of how do we get back up if we won't even admit that something happened if we won't even take what happened seriously, and especially I don't know how up to date with pop culture you are, but um, there's this um, African-American singer or rapper who recently released a song and a music video that shows him going down to hell and giving the devil a lap dance. And uh, he also custom made some Nikes, uh, 666 pairs of Nike shoes. Um, and all of them have like a drop of human blood in the sole of the shoes. Uh, and he has publicly said that he's, he, the, the song is kind of, you know, um, uh, his creation or his way of reacting to how as a gay person, he has been told by Christians for years that he's going to hell. And the outrage in the last few weeks from Christians has been greater outrage than I have seen for George Floyd, for Ravi Zacharias's sexual deviance, for even any of these moral failings of pastors combined. I have not seen that kind of response equal to what I've seen in the last few weeks. It's just disheartening, man. I think there is a lot of hypocrisy when it comes to the church's response. Um, and the church's response in general has been a lot, a lot more harsh to people at the lower levels mm. <laughs> compared yeah. with church pastors yes. or church leaders at like the higher mm -hmm. levels. Um, the response has just been completely different. Um, if there is anyone who has done something wrong in the lower levels, they would probably be harshly criticized you know. like if um if 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 a couple is known to be sleeping together yeah before marriage right yeah what would happen to them <laughs> i mean you know probably um excommunicated you know shamed right for sure from the pulpit 
Yeah, 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 absolutely. But for some reason, when it comes to especially celebrity kind of pastors and leaders, mm-hmm. they're almost like they're they're almost given a free pass, you know, mm-hmm. which I think is where you're getting at. Which 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 you're absolutely right. I think um, I have seen responses towards Ravi that is completely in denial. Like mm. how, you know, that's not true. You know, people are just trying to pull him down and, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a scandal against him. And, I, and I'm just like, dude, have you read everything? Have you read all the reports by, you know, his own organization and stuff? Which is not even everything, right? It's just yeah. the phones from the last few years. Exactly. And some people just refuse to even believe that this is the mm. truth. And this is, and this mm-hmm. is evidence. They, they, they have they have held him and they continue to hold him in such a glorified position that essentially yeah. he cannot do wrong. And maybe they're just in a shock, right? Just in like a state mm. of denial, right? Yeah. Because it's like the first step of grief. So they're just mm. like, no, no, this can't happen. No, right? But mm-hmm. it's not helpful when you, number one, you don't listen to the facts. And number two, when you, tr- when you judge someone else completely, you hold some people on a completely different standard than you hold some, yeah. you know, others. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's the hypocrisy yeah. that we see. And I think that's very disappointing. Yeah. And whereas when you, when someone brings up this, right, when someone says, hey, look at these facts, look at these things, that person is then attacked for attacking the leader, attacking the pastor, Right. That person yeah. is like, oh, you are the one, you are lying, you are devil's instrument, you are, you know, all these things. I was never really a big fan of Ravi. Mm. Um, I read his books during college, but earlier on, maybe a few years ago, when it came out that he had lied about his credentials, when he had falsified some mm. of the things just to boost his credentials, right, among intellectuals, mm. trying to show that he was you know, from Oxbridge and doing all these things with uh, all these universities. And it turned out that it wasn't true. When that happened, I actually told my dad, I said, this is not good. There's something here bigger. Um, But I didn't want to, you know, make a big deal of it. I didn't want to slander him. As Christians Mm. would say, when you talk about a leader in public, you are slandering them. Um, But they have the pulpit to talk about everyone else. And that's not slander, apparently. Mm. And so... Um, I didn't say anything then, but mm. um, which, like you said, maybe it is um, a, a, a point of grief, right? Maybe mm. there's not much leadership in their lives regarding how to deal with things like this. I know that there was no leadership in my life mm. uh, regarding dealing with um, the fall of, of someone that I really looked up to. There was this... Uh, Uh, author and theologian that I really looked up to um, who started a community for um, people with mental and developmental disabilities. Mm. And, uh, you know, after he died, two years after he died, his organization released a report that he had sexually assaulted women in the 90s. Uh, He died at 93, 94 years old. So he was really old. But even in his uh, 70s, 60s and 70s, you know, he had committed this um offense against the women who came to volunteer in the in the community that he was building and so 
I had no leadership over that at the time. I had to reach yeah. out to some friends who were also really impacted and kind of ask them, you know, yeah. how were they doing? What were they doing um, to process it? I realized that some people might be grieving and that's okay. If they are honest enough to reflect and say that they're grieving, I think the thing that really ticks me off is people who preach from the pulpit. Like you say, mm. who don't, you know, acknowledge some of these things, who deny some of these things uh, and make it into a Christian crusade, right? Mm. And be like, the world is attacking us. This is spiritual attack. This is what's happening. You know, people are trying to bring down the church. People are trying to do this. And for me, that is just ludicrous. Mm. I don't mince my words. Um, I don't sugarcoat things for pastors and leaders because I feel like if you are going to take up a position um, of leadership in that sense, then some of your things, some of the things that you say or don't say, you should be held accountable. I won't hold them to some kind of impossible standard, but I mean, this is the basic decency, yeah. right? Yeah. This is basic decency. We're not talking yeah. about asking them to pour in their own resources to go start a separate investigation. We're asking them to look at what's been said and to come to terms with the facts. And mm. then in that sense, move forward and counsel their people. So it's really hard for me to still see, you know, the initial knee-jerk reaction to be defense, to be where people are saying, oh, no, 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 you still read his book, still use his book, still, you know, without a second, without even the consideration of what has happened. And yet we have thrown people out of church for so much less. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, I I have nothing else to say. <laughs> it's very sad. It's so depressing. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> no, but this is exactly the reason why the Christian community so often is called hypocrites. Mm. Because we have double standards. Mm. You know, in church, we, you know, act certain way, we, you know, mm. do certain things. And then outside the church, you know, with like other people, you know, they held to a, to all of a sudden a different standard. Mm. And I mean, you wonder why, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are called hypocrites, but but that's why number one, we need Jesus. Number two, we need each other. We need a, you know, we need accountability. Mm. Um and we need to be okay uh with um being vulnerable to each other, you know, in community, you know, and, and I think just bringing this back down even into community, we need to be okay failing and mm-hmm. talking about our failures mm-hmm. in our communities. I think too yeah. often we emphasize perfection, mm-hmm. um, you know, excellence and perfection and just being mm-hmm. being the perfect Christian boy and the Christian, you know, the perfect Christian girl. Uh, mm. in church and when we are not then we beat ourselves down we silence ourselves we don't tell anyone and we struggle with all these things in, internally because there's no mm. space for failure mm. you know um, because you would be probably criticized judged or whatever yeah there's only space for failure if you can share a testimony to say that you have overcome yeah exactly there's no space for current failure mm. right so you know some people will approach me and say, hey, you have said on the podcast that you are going through therapy, right? How can you go on the podcast and talk about all these things 
and you are in therapy, you are hurt, you are grieving, you shouldn't talk, right? Because there is no space. We only want people who have come out and succeeded mm. to talk. Here is the reality. Yeah. Even people like Ravi were failing when they were preaching to the masses. Yeah. What does that say when we continue to put our heads in the sand to pretend, yeah. right, that you can only have something to say once you work through your shit when honestly, yeah. some of these pastors have never worked through their shit. <laughs> like, what does that say about us? And this is what gets me so upset. Mm. This is what gets me, like, I have seen people leave the church after being chewed out from the pulpit about their sexuality, about their behavior, about something they did, who I see in them the great desire to follow Jesus, mm. but the immense fear of being rejected and judged. Yeah. 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 And they have left and they have walked away because they do not find in community a space to yes. be themselves without immediately yes. being altered and changed. Yes, We have a savior complex that is not biblical. Yeah. We want people to ad adapt, to conform, to assimilate into us before we receive them into our communities. Yeah. That, to me, is the wrong way of doing church community. Yeah, exactly. exactly. There absolutely has to be a safe place to fail in church. You know, to the point where we're not afraid to talk about our failures. Yeah, because people aren't afraid to fail, right? People yeah. are afraid to talk about their failures. People exactly. are failing in church. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. No, I think it, at the end of the day, it absolutely boils down to authenticity and genuineness, you know, being, you know, the body of Christ, you know. Mm. When one body suffers, we suffer together, right? We're not expecting yeah. each part of the body to be perfect. Mm. Um. And I think a lot of it comes from the bigger culture outside the church, right? Society does that too, right? We look at all our heroes, mm. you know, we have fanboy and fangirl moments and we we think that they are perfect, basically. We think mm. that certain movie stars and certain singers just live perfect lives, you know? Mm. And we kind of expect that from them, you know? Mm. And that's the same thing is going to happen when we have that kind of like celebrity church culture as well where you know where we hold you know the worship leader or like the senior pastor um, mm. we put them on we put them on a pedestal number one right mm. give them that over glorification which no one can carry only god mm -hmm. you know should carry mm. the weight of that glory uh, but we you know we do that just like how we do it outside in the world. And I think that kind of feeds into this whole system of like they cannot fail. They cannot appear at least on stage or whatever to be failing. You know, they will just look really bad. You know, maybe people will walk away and so they hide it. You know? mm. Which is not helpful for anybody. But people are walking away. Exactly. Because they see the exactly. hypocrisy. Exactly. Yeah. That's right? what they may not realize. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, is it that simple that they don't realize it? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think there could be a lot of other layers here to uncover. But, you know, the human heart is this, you know, deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. The more stuff happens and the more stuff pops out in the world and in church, we realize, oh my goodness, like the human heart, like the Bible says, is desperately wicked and deceitful. 
but the Bible, the Bible also says that he has exchanged or he will exchange our hearts of stone mm. for hearts of flesh. He mm. will write his laws on our hearts. Nobody will have to instruct us. He himself mm-hmm. will lead us. Mm. Of course, both can exist at the same time. I'm not, I'm not being idealistic here. Mm. But I see great potential for a movement of people with integrity yes. to arise. Yeah. But for me, the biggest obstruction in the way of that movement is our current, maybe sometimes misguided desire for honoring or what we say is honor culture, which is actually just sweeping things under the rug. Ooh. Bam. Let's not talk about it because it's bad. It's, it's bad taste. Yeah. You're washing your, your dirty linens in public. Mm. That's what yeah. I've been told. But I have non-Christian friends also read all these other news and come and ask me, hey, there was this Indian pastor in the US who sexually assaulted women. What do I say? Mm. No, absolutely true. I don't say this with like glee or anything. It is, like you said, it is really depressing. It's really sad. It's yeah. just really sad. No, I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it, it does come down to all of us living our lives worthy to be called sons and daughters of God, you know. Um, like the song, you know, that says... Um, let my manner of living be a witness that you're alive, you know. And we just most recently just finished, you know, uh, Good Friday and Easter Sunday, right? And, you know, people are talking about, you know, the resurrected Christ and what does it mean to live the resurrection life? And, like, I think I'm just, you know, I'm just brought back to, like, yeah, for our own lives, is, is the way we are living being a witness that he is alive, you know, and that he is living in us and that we have that same resurrection power. So I think at the end of the day, it still boils down to, do we know Christ? You know, do we have a relationship with him? Are we living our lives, you know? Um, Yeah, with eternity in mind, yeah. I think that's why I appreciate this conversation that we had with Sarah. Mm. Um, Cause she's very well aware yeah. that she's not in a place that is open arms and welcoming mm. to religion, to Christianity. I mean, missiologists have referred to Europe as post-Christian. Mm. Wow. Yeah. It's people who are, who have grown up in Christian culture you know, Christianity forms their culture, Catholicism and in this in this case. And they might be not familiar with the gospel, mm. but they're familiar with some of the language or they're familiar with some of the emotions, yeah. like shame, right? Like sin, what is sin, their mm. notions of what is right and wrong, their morality. A lot of it is based on church teachings. Yeah. But to see her go into such a place 
and to be a light and then mm. to suggest that there is a way for us to work together beyond our political ideologies, you know, beyond mm. everything else, right? There's something greater that unites us. And for her to have that vision, you know, I really admire that. I, yeah. I aspire to that. Um, that was the encouraging part of, of this conversation. Yeah. No, absolutely. Like, after talking to Sarah, like, I would... I just left the conversation so inspired. Like, I was just mm. like, wow, that was, that was so good. And just so inspired to just live out my faith, you know, just to be a salt, mm. just to be a light, just to be a testimony. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I really, really appreciated that conversation we had.